Jordan, back on the podcast, and this time, we're finally doing what we've been talking about for a real long time, is more either TV show or film breakdowns. In this case, particularly film. Or, why did I say that? TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew what you, I knew what you meant. <laughs> so, I think you should kick it off since this was your idea initially, at least to give the recommendation to watch this show, which then became an easy way for us to just dive into this for this experimental style of podcast for us. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we have been talking about this for, I don't know, ages. Like, I think the first idea was Breaking Bad. We're like, we should do a Breaking Bad one. And then whatever that came to be, what it was. And then we recently, I had been trying to find a new show. And with the the Emmys coming soon, all like the awards and all all the streaming services posting their babies or to get all the nominations, blah, 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 for advertisement. Really smart marketing. It draws me. <laughs> it gets me interested. <laughs> I had seen a lot of Apple TV stuff. Like, they, they killed it. Ted Lasso was a big one. I think Mosquito Coast, I think it's called. I haven't watched it yet, but that's another one on Apple TV. I think it got a couple nominations. And then C was another one. And I didn't know what it was about. I, I just saw that it was Jason Momoa. And I've always thought he's a good actor, but I haven't seen anything. I was, like, super like addicted to or loved or anything like that. Um, So I saw this one and I'm like, let me just watch the trailer. So I did that. And basically the premise of the show is that it's in a post-apocalyptic world in in America where after there's, I think it was a sickness came and wiped out most of the global population that said it left 2 million or so people and it left them without sight. So everyone was blind. So then they started to rebuild civilization, but everyone's blind. So they regressed back to like, what era would you say that is like caveman esque? Yeah, probably like tribal, neo, somewhat Neolithic, but they still seem to have some technology, like maybe a little bit beyond Stone Age, maybe Iron yeah. Age. Yeah. Looks like with the tools that right. They know what fire is. Put it that yeah, way. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> they have some tools um, and things like that. But yeah, basically, or if you've played, this is one of the first things we talked about. If you've played the video game Horizon Zero Dawn, it really gives off that like vibe of more tribal identity structure and right just way smaller groupings and yeah yeah Ex- except there's no robot dinosaurs that's the only yeah. difference yeah. <laughs> i'm trying to remember too do they show anything i think the only thing they show which we'll probably talk about is the bridge i'm trying to remember if they show anything from like the before times like modern um they do so where the the queen lives yeah oh yeah that's like a generator right or like a dam i think yeah this is yeah dam and i guess her way they congregate is like inside the machine room or whatever of the dam so that's interesting so they just like i think they lost sight of what all those things were and like the sun even they call it the god flame so it's not like what we know to be as things continued like they regressed like wide scale yeah so the show's about that everyone's lost sight and um, but this tribe called the Alkenis, which I think is a deviation. I'll have to look that up, but it's, it seems almost too close to not be, but a deviation of a, I think it's a city or a river in Pennsylvania, Allegheny. If that was coincidental, then damn. But I feel like there's directness there. Anyway, so it's about this tribe and this woman, she comes to the tribe and she's pregnant and the leader of the tribe can't have kids. So he's, I'll, you know, me and you, Let's become a thing because you're having kids. I can't have kids. This works out. Turns out the person that she is impregnated by is this heretic that the royalty, the crown or whatever is searching for. Yeah. And so that brings their search to this tribe. 
Oh yeah, and, and the reason it's, it's a heretic too is the it's if anyone talks about sight as a myth and it's blasphemy to talk about it or even imagine it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this guy can see. That's the thing. He was gifted with the power of they call it the power of light. That's what um, they call it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and so the queen is his kids be able to see and they don't really know because he's the only one that they know of that can see so yeah that's the starts off this whole the whole journey yeah i think that's a pretty good premise description laying the groundwork yeah i think that covers the the main parts of the 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 story there or at least the setting of what we're experiencing i think the one thing that i thought was really good apart from just the set and setting and encapsulating the story was the how they grounded it. I think a lot of these like sci-fi films can get carried away with like special effects and using a lot of green screens or closed sets that don't, it's not that they didn't pull you out of it. It's just that it's more of that you're not immersed in this like rebuilding of the world almost in the post-apocalyptic yeah. sense. And this was all filmed, it looked like almost entirely in real sets, like in, in the environment, which I looked up after the fact is mostly in Canada and it's really cool. Like they just, it almost reminds me of Revenant with the Leonardo film yeah. where they, how they filmed a lot of that stuff where it's very close with the camera work and kind of more the cameras, not doing a lot of crazy panning and there's not a lot of aerial footage that kind of pulls the audience away. Cause cameras don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I thought they did that really well. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's one thing, especially for something in this genre, like it's supposed to be a just regressed civilization that came back a lot. So if you're using that on a green screen, it would just feel off. Oh, this is all fake process, digitized stuff. You know what I mean? It just fits. It fits when you do it that way. So I think it was a great idea to do a shoot on site and things like that. And I wonder the lighting. I feel like it was a lot of natural lighting. But I don't know much about that, to be honest. So I, I'd be curious about it. It feels like it. I feel like when it was dark, it was dark. It didn't seem like they had a lot of artificial lighting there. Uh, but no, it was a good It was a good choice. It made you feel... It, it, was, it helps for the immersion of the story to see what's going on. And then how they had to, to learn to adapt and live within that world. You know what I mean? It, one, it spoke to the idea that, you no, know, there are no cities. There are no highways anymore. Like... There, there's wooden bridges <laughs> that they made, like getting over a creek or a river is now an issue, not only because they're blind, but because infrastructure and stuff like that just doesn't exist. It's, it's just, I don't know, it all helps to tell the story without having to say much. And I think that kind of goes to the, the next part of this, which is probably the focal point of this whole experiment of a story is there, every character is blind. And I think they did a ton of work with everybody on the cast to make them comfortable with playing a blind character. I won't say that I was worried about it, but I was like curious if it would become like gimmicky in some sense, yeah. but I think they actually pulled it off really well in, and they sell it with really specific like points in the story. So like the first part, you see them preparing for a battle. Like you hear war chants in the very beginning. Cause the woman, I forget her name. She is pregnant and she's giving birth during this intro sequence and she's asking for her husband and she's the priestess, I guess she, her name is, or a shaman, uh, which is helping do the childbearing or childbirthing process. And she's like, he's going out and defending the tribe. And 
you see them gathering and getting weapons together and everyone is making a point to not look at each other, which I thought is really good. There's almost no, like, it's a lot of ear tilting to hear yeah. each other. And then they also had the, there's two guys in the front as right before he gives a speech it, and they're cracking whips and it was like the focal point of the meeting place. And it's, it makes sense is if you lose sight that your hearing becomes in tuned to be able to be like your main navigation tool. And I just thought they did that really well. And then transitioning from that, as they're walking through the forest, they have a squadron of frontal scouts, basically, that are cracking whips slowly in front of them to navigate and make sure there's nothing in their way so they can get around trees. So a lot of these little details that they went through it and just brainstormed, okay, if you were a tribal society, how would you make, like, work around this ability of not having eyes to navigate the world? So cool. I think that was what... That was the first thing that drew me that I was like, okay, let's see. You know, I feel like with a lot of things in this nature, you're always like, all right, how much BS are they going to throw at you that you have to just buy into it to watch? Um, But I feel like there, if there was any, I didn't notice it. Maybe someone who's blind could tell us, but yeah. Other than that, it seemed very realistic, especially moving into like the battle scenes and how they went through that. It wasn't like they're fighting and the dude just knows exactly where to place his sword or his fist just randomly it's like oh, how would you know that you know what i mean yeah. it's like the yeah. way like he has this baba boss is jason momoa's character the lead protagonist and he does this like sweeping motion where he's like feeling what's in front of him and and as the enemy um unit or whatever is approaching them it's it's really dope when you think about it but they're like major line of defense when you think of like fortresses and like trying to protect your city you usually want the high ground and like walls and stuff like that they just had this it was very like in re- like us. It would be very manageable to just hop over this wall, but to be blind, it was like tall enough that you had to climb up and put a ladder up or something. <laughs> but that was like a major issue because you can't see. And so there, Baba Voss, the Alkenes are waiting on top of the wall and just listening, and they're all not moving, so they're completely silent. They've covered their faces in mud, so they have these things called uh, scent tears, and those are people with really sensitive noses that can smell. So they'd be able to, oh, we smell people, but they cover their faces in mud so that the scents get messed and they have dog the the enemy team has dogs with them too so that helps you know but they're waiting and as they hear them approach to start trying to climb up the wall they're climbing up on these ropes climbing up and then they just start like stabbing down on the ropes (laughs) like as they feel the ropes getting taut and stuff and i'm like just that those little details of how you have to fight it it just really made it like oh okay this is they really thought about this they thought about what they're doing i really like that scene because it's Really, we can mention this and we'll bring it up again. It's like this mundane sense of stuff where it's, they build suspense. It's if it was a normal battle scene, it wouldn't be all that exciting. It's, oh, it's yeah. just a wall. And in this sense, it's like they have these really intense parts where it's completely quiet and all you hear is like silent rustling and, and then all of a sudden it breaks out into chaos. And there's like little details, like the one part where the the one friendly soldier gets pulled down the wall and they're using his rope as a way of getting over the up the wall then. And yeah. so Baba Voss grabs the rope because as he can feel them pulling on it so he knows when to react when they've reached the top of the wall. And it's like these that little type of detail there that really just, it immerses the, or it allows you to suspend the disbelief that you, clearly Jason Momoa is not a blind person, but <laughs> <laughs> it really puts you in the situation that he is playing a character that is blind. And I thought that's really cool. And right before that scene, they do actually a haka, which I thought was really cool because Jason is a, I don't know if he's Hawaiian, but I know he's, he might be, don't quote me on that. 
I'll look it up and make sure that I get it correct when I go through yeah. it. For him, because he's always very nationalistic for the islanders of the world to preach all the things that they bring to, to the table. And I can't help but, it, for me at least, it's like whenever you hear those things, there's something just, it you just feel it in your bones. <laughs> yeah. It just It just gets you fired up. And I thought it made so much sense for that situation too. It didn't just feel like it was tacked on just because either. Yeah. And so this is my second time viewing and I didn't notice that it was a hawker the first time. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's a tribal, you know, ritual before battle. But you're like, oh, that's a haka. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> cool, like, so that was really dope that they threw that in there. But yeah, that and like they as they're fighting Jason Memorial, he'll call out to know that his cause how else would you your allies, your team are getting murdered. Only way he has a call and they're a call and response. So he says Chet and they'll respond back to him the same thing. And I'm like, that's so dope. You don't even think about that. Like, yeah. how would you know if you're the only one left? <laughs> like you, how would you know? So like just thinking of those little things, but you put them all together and it's okay. This is something that's well thought out. And then in round, in the terms of the story, like these people are like seasoned fighters like they know what they're doing just when they have all these defenses and things like that to make it work it's just it's so dope and what's also really cool just about the fighting too as obviously there's no like aerial or like distant they can't use bow and arrows or anything yeah. like that right oh yeah because you can't see anything i right. didn't even think about that <laughs> right but like all the fighting has to happen close up it gets there's some scenes in there that are like oh like slicing someone's neck open like it's brutal but if you remember that one, they're blind, so it's not as brutal to them because they can't even see it. But that's the only way they can, they have to know that they're killing their opponent because you can't see and look and be like, okay, he's good. Let's move on. That has to be like definitive blows. That, yeah. So just, I don't know if that was intentional. I feel like it was, but I think it just adds to the reality of it. It's like very raw just immersive this yeah. world i think it drives the intensity of the action because it's like wounding someone is useful only if you can gauge it but if you don't have ability to gauge it <laughs> right. it's leaving you open for an attack from behind if you're not making it cut and dry or just being precise i guess is maybe the best word to use yeah 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 that's interesting moving on from the battle scene they they have to basically cut the wall which turns into a massive landslide which is probably one of the, probably almost climax of the episode. But unfortunately, they knew that, or at least they're suspecting at this point that there was a inside person or something because they, they could tell that there's a whole bunch of people from the enemy. Are they like the civilized people or the priests? I, I don't know what they, we, or like the rulers. I don't know what the right word yeah, is. Yeah, they live in like the city, like the royal city, I guess you'd call it. I don't know what the actual, what they call it, but. Yeah. And so there's at least one guy who's betraying the the tribe currently because he's heard the rumor of this person who was shown up with and was pregnant. And so he spilled the beans on what had happened and they have to retreat to just get back to town and make sure that they just don't all die. Once they get back though, I thought this was like crazy. I was not expecting this, the scene where they have this little inner turmoil thing where they want to kill her and the children that were just born yeah. because they're like, she's the reason we're all screwed <laughs> basically. Yeah. And they yeah. want to just get rid of her so that she can't, or so that they can say, Nope, she's gone. She's never was here or whatever. Yeah. But it makes sense too. Cause she's relatively new to their tribe where it seems like this is an old tribe. They've been together for a long time. And I think they said she has been there since last winter. So 
basically it's a year. like summertime now, yeah. So if it hasn't been a full year, it's not very long, even if it's been a full year. So she's a newcomer. So they're like, they're coming for her. Okay, <laughs> give them to her, you know what I mean? Then we're, we're fine. But now here's the stakes, right? Here's the situation, here's the obstacle. That's Baba Voss, that's his wife. Like he got close to her because... I don't know if it's brought up in the pilot, but it comes up. It's not a spoiler or anything because I think they do bring it up. But Baba Voss is a newcomer as well. Like, he's not as new, but he he's came to them. Yeah, so he's he. I think he relates to her in that sense. So that creates the obstacle that he's like, no, you're not. We're not doing this. We're going to figure this out. So it is really cool that cause it makes sense. If everyone was just like, no, we'll all give our lives for this quote-unquote stranger, it wouldn't really, like, you'd have one person at least being like, Nah, fam. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm trying to live. I guess we should bring this up too. The reason they're stuck is because they built their village pigeonholed almost. I'm doing this is going to be recorded. So like yeah. their, their tribe looks like something like that with the village like up here. So they're so like you stuck can get in anyone, mountain, basically. Yeah, yeah. So no way out. So their wall was their defense that no one can get up it because obviously everyone's blind. So that was like their last line of defense. But they just lowered the wall, releasing all the rocks and stuff. So anyone can just come up to them now and they're pushed back against the mountain so they're like there's no way to get out come to find out the person who can see the only person who can see made a bridge across the river that wasn't there before because how would they have made that right? right so he made a bridge for them to escape that no one else knows about and let me tell you i never you know i don't know how many bridges you guys all crossed in your life <laughs> i crossed a few i've never really thought twice about it Right. Watching them try to cross this bridge was one of the most stressful things <laughs> I've ever seen. Like, it's probably one of the longer scenes in this whole episode, too, which is, yeah. I, I that was one of the other parts of the mundane thing that I was like, oh my God, it just sells the intensity of like what it's like to navigate if you're blind. Where it's, I really enjoyed they had the witch where she used her cane to put it as like a brace between the two wires or the railings of the bridge so that she didn't have to think about what where was left or right she could just right. as long as it was supported on both sides she could walk across and have not have to worry <laughs> right. loved it it's so small details yeah. exactly i think they even showed a few people fall off just walking and like the, yeah. the bricks tilts and they <laughs> slip off and i'm like wow that probably wouldn't be that difficult for me or you but mm -hmm. when nobody can see and no one can say oh to the left <laughs> <laughs> like you're kind of on your own but no so as they're crossing the bridge the enemy obviously for the suspense the enemy um army or whatever catches up to them and they come across this bridge and they're like oh shit we gotta cross this bridge and even they can't just rush across like they have to take their time and a snitch ends up going across just like those kind of little things they they don't know that there's anyone on the other side of the bridge they just know that there's a bridge so obviously they went this way so we have to go but they don't know what they're walking into but yeah man it's just those small very mundane tasks that they've learned to overcome but in a different way mm -hmm. like without cutting corners as a rider and being like well they just they know what's there <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like it just works it's fair it's i loved it i yeah. loved it I thought that was really good. And then transitioning from that part, they finally introduce like why th this is going on, or at least the big bad queen in this, where they use the pigeon to send a note to her. And that's where they show the dam, or at least the what's left of technology or civilization. And they've repurposed it for their, I don't know, ceremonial purposes, their religious purposes. And she's just a zealot is the best way to put it. <laughs> She's driven yeah. by religious fervor. <laughs> She's uh, 
she's a character for sure. She's interesting. She's my favorite character. I don't know if everyone will feel that. She's definitely one of the most interesting characters. Her arc is actually really cool without spoiling anything. But what I had wrote in our while we were watching is I love how in a lot of shows you you introduce you'll have your you'll have your bad guys and then you'll have your main antagonist, the big bad. When they introduced her, they immediately brought up her obstacle and what's going on with her. So then you you sympathize, but not like you feel sorry for her, but you just understand in that sense. Understand what she's going about. She has her whole army looking for this one person who can see, and she's talking to the Congress, and they're like, I guess they're a Congress, right? Part, whatever, like her board of trustees, whatever you want to call them. And one of them says, this is just one person. There's stuff going on with the dam and the river, and people think we're losing touch with the gods. It's not that important, but to her it is. So she's, no, we're going to keep searching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and to, I, I love that because you don't have to wait to get that. It's not just he's just some evil for the sake of being evil person. Like, really, she doesn't even seem evil at that point. Obviously, she yeah. is because yeah. you know who we're supposed to be rooting for. Right? So <laughs> in that sense, she is. But what she's doing doesn't come off as, wow, she's just maniacal, evil person. It's just, she's just like, yo, this is a heretic. This is against what we do. Go get him. I think that's one of the things that's been better now with more modern stories is they have they don't just make the bad guy, like, the blanket, good, evil dichotomy thing. They make them a little bit more three-dimensional and give them something that's... They're being driven just like the main characters or the protagonists are. And you could clearly say show the difference in opinion there. Um, or at least why the, the lead witch hunter is doing what he's doing. Because if she's giving the orders, he's got no choice but to, to be all in. <laughs> right. I love how that, this has been going on for a while now. So it's, it's getting better and better. Even with the Avengers, like with mm -hmm. uh, Thanos, like you'd expect him to just be like, I'm just going to ruin everything just because. But even he had like a reason that you kind of be like, yeah, that kind of makes Obviously, you don't agree with it, but. He's still a bad guy. See. But yeah, he still yeah. has to sacrifice yeah. a lot because. He kills his own, right. in quotes, daughter. And it's in that sense, it makes the entire audience conflicted because it's like, oh, dude, I'm not, I don't want to feel sorry for you. <laughs> right. I love that that's happening, but I feel like they do it really well here because they get to that immediately. But even with Thanos, it was not, you had to wait until like almost at least Infinity. Yeah, well, at least Infinity War to get that. When they first introduced him and whatever, it might have been the first Avengers one, but whatever movie he's first introduced at the end they put him up to be just as evil for the sake of being evil. But in this one, the second you meet Queen Kane, you instantly know, okay, there's more to her than that. And you're expecting that every time you see her, that there's more to her than just, she's just this crazy queen who's drunk with power type thing, which might still be the case. But The last part of it is them basically escaping, but they get to this new promised land. It, it, it is what they got out of this, or is like unintentional mm -hmm. promised land, which is they're out of the forest and it's like, rolling fields and everyone's wait how the heck did we end up here <laughs> which yeah. is a weird positive note to end on a pilot typically i would say most pilots end with more of a inciting incident well i did i guess it did and like they left their homeland but it usually doesn't seem to end in a positive way like this one did yeah i mean i it, it was definitely like okay so they got away it looks like they're good and you might have missed it because i missed it the first time i watched but they said that they were walking for over a month. Like, it was really quick, but the there's, like, a voiceover of the the shaman witch lady with them. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and she's yeah. like, Jerla Morell is a character's name who can see. And he left, like, they called it songs, I think they called it, mm -hmm. for them to follow. And he put up these, like, things with almost, like, wind chimes 
that he stood up for them to follow. So I yeah. followed them oh. and they said they'd be following him for 30 days and 30 nights. Wow. Until they got to wherever this meadow that they're going to. And it looked like it was a very difficult passage for them to get there. But yeah, it was for them to be safe and raise this character you'll come to find is very meticulous, Joe Murrow. And as for them to raise his kids, it's for him to make his promised land and thing like that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Did you see what happened at the end with the one of the babies? I did not. Okay. Yeah, that, that was quick. That was quick too. But I loved how they I loved how they wrote this. But they don't just tell you because remember again, the queen is wondering, can they see? Right? Can the baby see? Yeah, that's like the big They're question, kinda, right? Yeah, and so you don't know. At the end, the very last scene is a baby looking up and there's a bird flying and the baby's eyes are following the bird. But I'm like, I love how they told us that without telling us that. Yeah, because they could have easily wrote that in with, I don't know how they would have wrote it in with one of the characters realizing it because they're all blind, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, yeah, true. But see, that, that would have been like the ruining it, right? That would have been them being like not good with their own storytelling is this like or lazy with their own storytelling yeah. so right. i thought that was really good i thought too or at least one of the things that i really caught on to is like the birth of twins at least in stories like this where i'm gonna say absent father figure but not really absent or like mm -hmm. this divine birth in some sense because there's a lot of religious undertones here or really overtones. <laughs> I, feel yes. like it's, I feel like it's pretty overt. Is I, The first thing I thought of was the story of Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, at least in mythological history, that were twins that were raised by wolves. But it's kind of similar in, in style as that, where you have two twins born of a father who's gifted with sight, and he's not in the picture, but he's leaving all of these secret guides, and you're part of this chosen family or chosen tribe to lead the way to raise these children that shouldn't exist that's interesting so i don't know that story you brought it up earlier but raised by wolves baba voss wears a fur coat i wonder what kind of pelt that is oh uh, interest wolf that would be really dope i don't know if it is though but yeah that's an interesting point so that uh, man there's so much here i'm really excited to keep watching this now yeah. <laughs> this will be continuation we're already at half hour so it's like perfect timing for what we want to do here any other thoughts on it or things to mention that you want to leave the audience with for episode one and then we can pick it up for the next one yeah this is what i would define to be a perfect pilot wow so yeah you got the intrigue sets the foundation what's going on you know what you should be worried about They've laid out all the characters you should really be caring about. Yeah, to me, it's not one of those shows that you have to be like, oh yeah, watch six episodes before you like it. Yeah. Just to the point. <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. Cause I hear a lot of shows nowadays, especially, is oh, you gotta watch, you gotta keep watching it. Like people always say that, especially with some yeah. of these other shows that are going around. It's no, you gotta get past episode three. Then it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't there's so many shows out there. I don't wanna have to do that. I'm gonna like it right away. You know yeah, what I mean? We get it. But yeah, yeah, that's, I'm excited to watch more. Keep doing this. Yeah, this is fun. It's, I've been wanting to do this for a little while now, and it's been a lot of fun for me to look at these explorations and storytelling in a, at a different level. And because, like I mentioned to you in our previous podcast, we, I've been really getting into VFX work and filming and all that kind of stuff. So this is seeing if any of that stuff that I've been really paying attention to is rubbing off at this point for how they yeah. do it. And I, it's weird that I actually do seem to have picked up something where I can tell the difference between blue screens or green screens where they cut the shots and stuff. Like um, in one of the fight scenes, you see an axe where he swings the axe and it hits the, the tree. And I think that like tree hit where the 
cut shows up is all VFX. It wasn't actually there. It's, yeah, it looked like it was put in after the fact where it might have been had something of an impact, but it wasn't didn't maybe leave as big of a chunk as it actually did. Yeah. <laughs> so little details like that are just seeing how they actually like using practical effects, it sells shots like this show does, where they have a lot of traveling on location that just make it so much more real, so much more grounded, especially with the way they follow the film. Like, Baba Voss goes and is, like, traversing through the river, and he's like, if it's support me, then everyone else can follow me, kind of thing. Yeah. And what they do, though, is they have the um, camera kind of follow over his shoulder, and it's, like, really tight and close. So you really get to feel that like, unsettling nature of being blind, where it's, you don't know where you're putting your foot until you put your foot there and it's okay, it's I'm not dead yet. So all these little elements that really just sell it for the audience to feel that level of intensity that the character should be feeling. I, I just really liked. Yeah. Telling the story through telling the story through camera work and like really just being real with it rather than relying on special effects because there's still a little bit of uncanny valley i think with special effects if you rely on it too much just yeah cheapens the work a little bit that's something like king kong or something like that which is a good movie and interesting but that's something you want to see in a theater like to just be wowed <laughs> by the special effects which is its own this its own art and its own you know what i mean so i'll respect that but something like this to just have those as you're explaining like be really meticulous with how you're showing the camera going over his shoulder. No, we want everyone to feel like you can't see either. You know yeah, what I mean? But exactly. the like, point of view. Yeah, that's dope. It's dope that you're picking up on that really quick. So that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> so we're planning to do these one episode a week. And so we'll have one week delay, basically. So we'll record this one and then it'll go out the following week and we'll record the next one. So then we'll basically have a cascading rollout of week over week yeah. episodes of this so that we have a consistent schedule of stuff just coming out and it's our way of experimenting with a couple new formats both re being recorded here so this will go up on youtube if you're listening or slash watching on youtube uh, but also as a podcast as always 